0: Alright folks, welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic Podcast. I'm your host Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now in this episode, I chat with vocalist Leather Leone about Chastain, the Bay Area metal scene during the 80s, her hiatus from music, returning after nearly 30 years, sleep paralysis, the supernatural, and more. As always, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to help the show grow, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Anyway, without further ado, here you go.
1: Goobles, this is your comrade, the Cryptkeeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs>
0: I guess so we have a platform to jump off here. Take us back in time, you're a youngster. Are you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all of the above?
2: I was actually a book reader. I was having that conversation yesterday because somebody in my neighborhood actually opened up a used bookstore. And just recently it hit me in my adult life that it's like, I haven't read a book in, in years, so I, of course I read the Do book and the IOMI book, and I work with dogs, so I read a pit book. And I read like three books in a month, and I like feel revitalized. But growing up in upstate New York, a lot like the Carolinas, probably horses. It was girls and horses, so I just used to read horse stories. But I was always reading, always reading. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you just mentioned you work with dogs. Are you what? Tell me about that a little bit.
2: Well, when I got out of music, I, I became a, a tech, a, a nurse, basically. And I met my first pit bull when I stopped touring and I fell in love, you know, and they're they're like me, they're the underdogs and they're so misunderstood. So I just really got into them and I don't own them any longer because I travel a lot, but I do a lot of work for them and with them. I, I, I love them. I love terriers so much.
0: Have you always been an animal lover? Like growing up, did you yeah. always have dogs? And
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I have three dogs and seven cats in the house currently. So
2: well, What kind of dogs do you have?
0: Well, one is a Great Dane, one is a Dachshund, and one is a Pitbull. <laughs> you have to
2: send me a picture, Justin. I will.
0: You. I'll send you a picture. Of seven, the
2: seven cats. Are they rescue cats? Why do you
0: they're, have seven they're, cats? They're all rescue cats. Yeah, you know, I'm just a big softie. Mm. I used to work in a pet store, and the last cat I got from there, she was just in the display. Oh, That's,
2: that's terrible. And she yeah, was
0: screaming terrible. at me while I was working, and I said, okay, when I get off, I'll take you home. <laughs>
2: That's great. I like you already.
0: <laughs> you said you like book reading. Now, when you think back to you know formative films and TV shows that you watched growing up, what comes to mind?
2: I don't know if I watched. Oh, oh um, I used to love Wonder Woman. No, I'm sorry. No, no. The uh, Three Million Dollar Man, remember? And then The Woman <laughs> came out. God, TV. I, I don't think I watched a lot of TV. I was a really crazy kid. I was like... And you know, I'm from a different era. There was no internet. You were a play until your dad called you, you know, at night. I was huge into sports. You know, cheerleader, I didn't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, I, oh, but you know what, uh, Saturday Night Live, of course, in high school, my parents were really freaking cool. And actually, that, it's still the same house. I lived downstairs. They gave me my own room, my own bathroom. I had, like, my own fireplace. I had my own, like, little apartment down there. So they would allow us to uh, bring our uh, friends or boyfriend or girlfriends. So but Saturday Night Live was a really big deal in my house. The, yeah, the good times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really miss them, yeah. Yeah, making me think i have such a bad memory i've drank a lot of alcohol and done a lot of drugs since then but i have to tell you even in my 20s i've never had a good memory so now i'm going through all these interviews and i'm like it brings up all and i'll think about all this great stuff when you're gone you know?
0: <laughs> that's how <it laughs> but i really
2: wasn't that big i wasn't that big into television until mtv came out and then you couldn't move me but you know
0: right right so what about your parents were they musically inclined at all artistically inclined? no
2: They were not. But you know what they did? Um, And again, through interviews, there was always music in my house. I grew up, you know, old-fashioned Italian, so there was always Dean Martin, Tony, whoever, Engelbert Humperdinck. My dad listened to Elvis Presley. My brother listened to the Spinners and the Beatles. My mother used to sing to me. It was just full of music. There was always music blasting, so that was my... I can remember listening to In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley and just being with my dad, and just being floored. And he listened to country. So there was always music being played in my house.
0: Now, when did you sort of discover your voice? You know, did you stump your toe and then you, maybe you screamed and broke a glass?
2: <laughs> no, you know what, Justin? I went to a small, oh my God, I'm such a farm girl, a small uh, Catholic school. And I was the only one that had the balls. To get up, wait. Does somebody want to try to sing? And then, I will, I will, I will. I couldn't sing, but I liked. The attention, I I can remember being like, wow, look at me, look at me. And then again, my Catholic church had a really cool 1030 mass and there was a choir. I don't know when I started singing in that, but the woman was really cool. Mary Flick, she's actually still with us. We would sing like Elton John and Fleetwood Mac. And and in eighth grade, she let me sing the first verse of Stairway to Heaven. And the mass, I'm from, you know, church town. I mean, there were 200 people in church. The church was huge. And I couldn't sing, but I can just... remember everybody looking at me like, oh, you know, and I, I was hooked. I, I was really nervous.
1: <laughs>
2: I had a pencil for it, but I, I, I wasn't good at all. I, I didn't know what I was doing.
0: So you said you were born in New York. What, what was the catalyst for you moving to the West Coast?
2: Partying, doing nothing. I had always failed miserably out of college, but I had started singing in cover bands. And, um, you know, that was when Hell's for Children, <laughs> that came out, and I would sing Heart, and I was singing and doing nothing, but before that, though, I had a guitar player named Robbie, and he came to practice one day, and he wanted me to try to sing a Hell's Bells in a Janis Joplin song, and again, I couldn't do it, but I can remember my body just getting really excited about that tonality, and I wasn't doing anything, seriously, I was just partying in '80 going shit, everyone had moved away, starting their lives. And I had gone to college with a girl named Patty and she had moved to Brooklyn, California. And she stayed in touch with me. She was training horses. She said, come on out. So uh, I came out. I don't know how old you are, Jessica. Back in the day, you would, when you were looking for band members, you would post it on telephone poles. You'd put every, and one of um, my friend's friends said, oh, cause I guess I told them, I was still Kathy at that time. Yeah. Kathy letter And he brought this thing to me about auditioning for a band called Rude Girl. It was at the Haydash Ashbury which of course I had read about my whole life is a big hippie spot. So I hopped on a bus and I went and then I never left. I never came home.
0: You got a... Flyer for Rude Girl in New York, and then moved to LA for it. No,
2: no, no, no. It was it was in Berkeley.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha, I gotcha. I was Berkeley. like, wow, shit. And,
2: and again, I had no money, Jesus. But money was so different then, right? I came out with like I don't know, 127 bucks in my pocket. My friend Patty let me. She was working at some restaurant thing, so they threw me like 100 a hundred a month, a week, whatever. No, it was in uh, as soon as probably within the second week, because I guess I was telling everybody that I sang. I guess I wanted to sing. I didn't know what to do.
0: Tell me about Rude Girl for a second. I know that was you and sandy sledge you guys almost had a record deal right what what happened
2: we did and this is what happened how you and i were early i can remember it was fortuitous that it didn't happen though thinking back but anyway i was in the lawyer's office with my freaking pen 10 minutes early half hour 40 no band i was fucking pissed so I left, uh, back then there were cell phones, of course. I just left. I'm like, this is, and they were always like that. They were always late for stuff and that's when it really started bothering me. But now that is the California way. You say four o'clock, it's 4.30. It just pissed me off. And I went home and called Mike Verney because I had known Mike Verney. When I first moved to California, rude girl, we got a lot of attention. We were girls. I mean, it was a different time in the eighties. Everyone was excited about everybody. It was before everybody got signed. So Slayer, Metallica, and Tessian, everyone was hanging out in the same clubs. So I had known Mike Vernick. He had seen Rude Girl, and he wanted to sign it, so I became, I'm still friends with him. We talked every night on the phone. He obviously built up my ego, so I went home and called him, but it was because they were freaking late, dude. 45 minutes, and I'm like, this is what my career, pissed me off.
0: I'd probably have the same reaction. Have you talked to Sandy at all since? Do you guys keep in contact?
2: No, but we did the Sledge Leather Project with the Dio band guys in 2011, I think, but I'm not in touch with her anymore. We, we talk every 10 years. but
0: you become the vocalist for Chastain. So it's not like a typical band like you said usually you'd hang flyers and know uh, and or maybe you know some friends but you guys were kind of assembled so how did that Yeah
2: Barney he was doing all the guitar shredders at that time. And I guess Chastain had um, mentioned to him that he had some vocal stuff. I really, I don't really know how it okay, came, but Mike Varney still, with this new record that I put up, Mike Varney still fights for me, man. So I, I guess Mike Varney said, I, I, I don't know if anyone in particular would say, I think I want to be female-fronted in the eighties, but he hooked us up. He said, hey, I have this girl, woman, whatever he called me, chick. And back then Chastain sent us uh, a cassette tape, like I said, I don't know how old you are, but I got a cassette of a uh, Mystery of Illusion No, Black Knight, Winds of Change, and Mystery of Illusion, I think. So I went to somebody's bedroom. You stick it in the four-track, and I recorded it, and that's how we got it. But it was through Mike Verney. And, you know, Chastain was writing in keys back then that I don't think, you know, a lot of guys could hit. So, yeah, so he he was willing to listen.
0: How do you remember those first meetings with David going?
2: Justin, we we don't. We were just talking about that. I'm like, oh, my God. Besides the fact I have no memory ever, but I'm like, did we talk in the phone? He's like... I don't remember. <laughs> I I remember. Seriously, he goes. We must have talked. This is terrible, you guys. Like I so, said, I didn't party back then. I don't know. We must have talked on the phone. I can. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember that we rehearsed in his basement. I just remember all of a sudden being there. I don't remember meeting David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It it was A long time ago. <laughs>
2: 30 some odd years, but yeah. But I think I gotta tell you, it was such a, a cloud for me. First of all, I was in freaking California, right? In the middle of the Bay Area music scene. I was being accepted. I got a deal with this huge, I mean, I it was a cloud for me. I was just, ah, you know? I was just concentrating on doing my job, looking cool, but yeah, I, did, I was not into analytical stuff. It's just like, oh, airport? Okay, yeah, I wasn't, I don't have that thought process, you know? Right. Just singing music and doing it the best. Okay, I don't remember time, places, people. I'm not like that.
0: Do you remember struggling at all or with the uh, move from New York to L.A.? Was it a culture shock for you?
2: No, and I moved to San Francisco.
0: San Fran, gotcha.
2: You know, what was disappointing was that I, I never actually lived in New York City. I lived outside Poughkeepsie, New Pals, But, you know, New York was, I thought San Francisco is going to be the same thing. San Francisco is just like a big town, or it definitely was then. And then, but then stupidly, you know, you would see all the movies on television with Los Angeles. It's all beach and convertible. Nothing like that at all. It was pouring, it was cloudy, the beach was way... No, it wasn't a culture shock at all. I actually felt very much at home. I didn't think it was much different from where it came from.
0: Gotcha. Oh, do you remember the first time you guys played live together?
2: Yeah. I don't remember the club, but we went We went out as a, a heroine. We didn't want to do the Rude Girl thing yet until we had it down. It might have been Ruthie's Inn, but it was some dive. And I just remember being really, really nervous. I um, mean, we used to put, you know, we did the whole 80s thing war mm-hmm. paint and everything. But oh, it's always been like that. But as soon as I got out there, I was okay. I mean, you know, our, we would trip over each other's chords and the guitar player would always become unplugged, but it was great. Like I said, with Rude Girl, I always got really, really fricking nervous. To the point of like where i thought it was going to vomit but it was okay once i got on stage
0: let me back up a little bit because i like to ask people this because you never know what they're going to say um what about your first time ever on stage with a band like before rude girl you know your first cover bands how did did that go off without a hiccup did your pants fall down or you think terrified i I
2: think it was a jim morrison that they said used to turn his back on people i just would look at the drummer i didn't know what to do i didn't yeah isn't that amazing when you're young you know and i had people telling me I was good. good. I had this guy, God, Ed, I remember, and he would take me to his house and just work with me on the piano. But no, I would just turn my back and just scream. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> just I would blow my voice, just, you know, yeah, <laughs> terrified. Terrified. And then I would do a couple of shots and then go, yeah it's terrifying i would go why am i doing this why
0: <laughs> was there a moment when it clicked for you in your head to where you were like you know i am good and you kind of got that confidence going
2: you know it didn't really hit me i would say until god it sounds terrible until we recorded ruler of the wasteland i can remember maybe even voice of the cult but it was into a couple chastain records or something it just dawned on me one day in the in the studio because the studio is not my friend yeah, I've obviously been really, in, it, I don't want to say insecure, but green. I was green for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mystery of Illusion with Chastain, I knew nothing, nothing of what I was doing. I was just in there flying by the seat of my pants. I would learn a song and then I'd go in and Chastain would decide to change the melodies right there. <laughs> so, I, you know, I seriously think it was the voice of the cult when it just hit me that I got it. So it, it really took me a while.
0: When it comes, just in general, when it comes to the Chastain albums, how co- how uh, collaborative were they? Was was it mainly just David, and then you guys kind of tells you what to do, or did you have any input whatsoever?
2: You know, I can't speak for anybody else. I I don't think he gave anybody you know baselines, but he would write the song from start to finish and then give it to us. But also, as time went on. he I don't know, working with Vinnie Tex with this new record, it was even worse with songwriting with him. But no, but Chester would always give me a, you know, he always would let me go off, because he just used to say, he knew that I was green and insecure, and he would just say, just, just do your leather, just do leather. But as time went on, I mean, I remember I handed him lyrics to, ai don't know, the Wicked or Restless or Share Yourself or Me or some. I, I used to stay with Ron the Lighting Guy, and I knocked on David's door one morning, and I said, here I have the... <laughs> And then he wrote a song, but then then he gave me a song, a record. But he he did he he was the major songwriter. Yeah.
0: So you released your first solo project in '89. Was that just something you wanted to do, or was was it just time?
2: Wasn't my idea. I was complaining to Chastain, like I still do. I should be bigger. I should be playing. I I should be a bigger singer. What the hell's going on? And, and now that I'm older, I actually know what was going on. Road racer, who's road racer, who then became road runner wanted to sign us for for those who dare. So uh, I think David made a deal with them because you let Leather do a solo record and also, so it was all worked out. But that was really exciting to me. I wrote I wrote the melodies, I wrote the lyrics to most of the stuff. I think Diamonds are for Rose Chesting. Yeah, I loved it. And again, I just sat in front of a, you know, a cassette player for days and just wrote it. You know, I can't listen to a lot of stuff that I write, but I can still listen to that record. I think it still holds up. My voice was in amazing shape at that time. Yeah, I'm, I'm still so proud of that record. Of course, they did nothing with it. They just threw it out to the wolves. And you're making me think another memory. Of course, I don't remember how, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember Crane magazine? In the middle of it, they would have lady killers that have a, a woman. Well, they fly me to New York, right? They want me to be in lady Killer, And I'm going, ah, I'm not doing that sex shit, dude. Not doing it. So they put me out of bed. I was standing out of bed. I was fully clothed, though. I don't, you know, whatever you wore, tank top, bandits and they did and they had some woman waving a pink thing of silk in front of my, head. <laughs> and then and then they were going like this. Can we? It was so. So I just did lousy pictures. I was like. So, of course, they never ran it. I think they did Lorraine Lewis sucking on the sucker. That might have had something to do with them, not pushing it. But, yeah, they, they didn't do anything with it. If I, that thing still sells. It sells now. I make money off that record now because different labels, keep David keeps licensing it out. Yeah, it's great. But I, I think that's a good record. I still think it's a good record.
0: You touched on your hiatus a little bit, but why did you decide to walk away when you did? You, you know, your voice is in great shape, kind of got several albums coming out. Was there more going on?
2: No, I think Chastain, we never had a meeting, we never really discussed it. He never liked touring to begin with, and I don't know, the tours were actually getting worse because geez, that was the late 80s, right? People could see me or Metallica, they'd go see Metallica, there wasn't a lot of money. I don't know. I don't remember being particularly burnt out. He says that we were. I had a different idea of touring. I had always heard through the grapevine that we were offering these big tours and he you know, he never wanted to take them. So, my plan was I was so proud of the chestnut and stuff, and I, you know, I had a good reputation. So, I was gonna come home for six months, which I did, and just, you know, kind of do nothing and just party and hang out, run, go to the gym, drink champagne. And I wanted to get into heavier bands, you know, all the heavy stuff, all the, you know, Cookie Monster stuff was hitting at that time. So, I gotta tell you, I went to LA to meet with the labels that were available at the time, and nobody was interested in leather. They wanted me to be something else, more pop, more sexual some label that doesn't exist anymore but i'm not going to say who they were they said to me oh wow leather you're just an amazing metal center and people walk in the clubs and they're blown away but there's one problem he said the guys don't want to fuck you wow Um, yeah and i was like so yeah, so then I came back, home, back up here and I I wanted to, I started auditioning or we trying to get auditions for heavier bands and the guys were all laughing at me. They were like, whatever, whatever, you're a chick. So I would go listen to seventh and never, motherfucker. But um, So
0: <laughs> they're lost. So
2: it, it didn't work out. And you know, what? I actually tend to really be lazy if I don't have, you know, there, I, I had nobody. I got tired of fighting. I just got into animals. And it just took over. And that's the way I am, Justin. When I'm done with something, it takes me a long time to get there. But I close the door, so I see it later. I stopped going to shows. I mean, I you know, I used to talk to Dio. I even stopped going to his shows. Stupid bitch that I was. But, yeah, I, I totally walked away. Didn't miss it.
0: Well, you just mentioned shows. What is the best show you've seen as a fan?
2: Oh, probably Lock Up the Wolves, Dio, or um, Maiden. Maiden with Eddie, yeah, it had to be one of them. I used to get blown away by them all the time, but yeah, I think it was when I first started hanging out with Dia when he came to. It might have been Holy Diver, either Holy Diver or Lock Up the Wolves, but it might have been Diver, and he played down here at Mountain View, and I was, and that was one of the times when I, I said, why, why do I look? Why do I do this? I went back and said, why do I? Why do I do this? You know, just, <laughs> just blown away well you've seen it just blown mm-hmm. away i mean dickinson still just runs around like a.
0: yeah fresh off cancer recovery no problem
2: <laughs> And oh, let's go we gotta fly the plane to the next gig Yeah. <laughs> and you know people obviously i'm so not into the gender thing but people are always like well you're a woman you must have been a- no when i got into metal it was dio tate and dickinson what what, what woman i mean you know what i'm saying i don't just amazing
0: you had your hiatus, and correct me if I'm wrong, and you returned in 2013 with Chastain. Why then? Was that, no, I'm wrong? No.
2: We lost Ronnie in 2010, and it was interesting. I had just found out he was ill like a month before. Lost him. Ugh. Went to L.A., you know, the funeral with all the services or whatever. And he's buried in Forest Hills. I can't think of which one it is. Glendale, I think. But he's buried. It's just Whoever planned that out, it's amazing. The way the sun comes down and the huge, iconic, I mean, you think Jesus is going to just walk out from behind these statues. And I just kind of, it was just a horrible day. And I just kind of walked away down the hill and stuff. And I sat on a a sarcophagus, you know, an empty one where they planned to bury people. And I can just remember thinking, God, maybe it was from him. I, I was such a stupid human being that I had the talent to sing and I wasn't doing anything. I going. what is wrong with you? And it just hit me. So then I got back in touch with, I was there with Sandy actually, and we started talking about doing something. And you know, we were blessed, uh, you know, we knew Jimmy Bain and Scott Warren at that time. And a lot of big people that were going to help us. But you know, I hadn't sang in a lot of years. And I said that to them. I hadn't sang Jesus in a lot of, too many years. So I started going into studios and just recording to see what I sounded like. And believe me, I destroyed all those CDs. um there's still something floating around i went into a studio which i never never have done and i will never do again i don't do Dio covers but some guitar player was playing egypt i said oh yeah yeah let me try it's floating floating around somewhere (laughs) but um so when i was ready we put out imagine me alive we did it all ourselves so that was 2011 or 12 and i'm always in touch with chastain and I'm always bitching. And by then, I was saying to Chastain, oh, fuck, I'm going to tour again. Come on, come on. I want to do something. So he reached out to me in 2012, 13. He said, look, I have some stuff that I think would be a Chastain record. But we both said it has to, it has to be of a certain caliber. Mm. We can't come back from, for those who dare and sound like crap, like a lot of people do. So we ended up doing that. And it's funny. I went to his place in Georgia. And we were in the studio. And he goes, look. He calls me in Miss Lather. You know, he's got a draw. <laughs> He goes. I want to tell you. I'm not touring. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'll make records. I'm not. Okay. So anyway, we did surrender to no one, and he wasn't touring. He wasn't lying. And that one did okay, so then uh, we did the other one, that was 13, then We Bleed Metal, we did in 15. So we kind of have a joke that every 20 years he comes around and we do records. We were actually talking about doing another one pre-COVID. I don't know how he feels now, because doing a Chastain record never hurts me. But I don't know, he he just sits at home and does other remixes. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's it's wonderful he he just does these things for me i know because i think he's pretty done he's had a really long career but you know i cry so much and be like okay let's do another record so
0: So over your hiatus did anyone david or anyone no one tried to pull you out and just be like hey leather what are you doing you know i need a vocalism
2: mike varney david chastain my friend peter marino who was from le mans and then cacophony yeah sandy yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> and, and, you know, and you're making me think. Another reason why I get <laughs> my friend, Larry Howard, I don't tell the story very often, although he takes credit for bringing me back. <laughs> I don't remember what year that was, though. I don't know if it was before Chastain. I don't remember, but I, I worked at this animal hospital. and Larry was deliverance, and he found out he was looking for me. Somehow he found out that he was working at the certain hospital. He freaking walks in one day dude there i am with my hair and my smock and i'm like what what he goes you gotta come on man i have a studio down the street come on come on and then from then i think i got into my guys from brazil but yeah he's oh another got back into it because of me he's like, You're too good. <laughs> he's like i've been looking for because he literally lives in the next town right he goes i've been looking for you for a year <laughs>
0: Did any of your uh, veterinary co-workers have any idea about your past?
2: My boss did. My boss used to play this stuff all the time. Yeah, they did. And then when the remixes started coming out, and then, you know, social media came out, and, and I got on, I don't know, Facebook, and I don't know, 2010 or something. I started... People were sending me all this stuff about people going, where's Leather Leone?" and all this stuff? I'm just like, wow, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I've always been the rock star where I work. Whenever I've worked anywhere, it's like, yeah, rock star. But that's funny. <laughs> Fucking Larry. Larry's out on the road now. but yeah, it's a, You know, the metal community is very small. In every, you know, a lot of people are here. They're all in, in this area. So. I am so, and I love Arch Enemy. Oh my God, Ginger came out and it's like, I love her. Courtney from Spirit Box. It's so funny how I, if I came out now, I would do that. And when we were recording, we are the Chosen of Poland. Ah! I would come out and do these lines and they would be like, Vinny would be like, no, no, I don't listen to, I don't know. is it everybody tells me that my record's doing well. So I guess, I don't know. Sometimes like, I don't know. Again, it was very good for me to meet Vinny Tex, my guy writing partner from Brazil, because he's, you know, a hundred years younger than me. And he, the people in Brazil. Oh my God! They want everything. 80s, 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 mm-hmm. 80s. But he also came from extreme metal. He played extreme metal for a bunch of years. And he listens to, oh my God, they just listened to, to 80s pop rock, folk rock, rock pop songs, love songs. Everything is so eclectic. So he brought in that element to our songwriting, which kind of scared me in the beginning. I got to tell you, you know, slide guitar. But then again, I was talking to and He goes, leather, slide guitar was all over Chastain, And I'm like, okay, okay. As far as the one thing that was important to me writing this new record was I, bit Extreme metal drums. I want lame of God drums. I want Arch mm. Enemy drums. And, drum. and I did get that with Brawlio, but I hear that it's coming back. And, you know, Justin, everything does a circle, right? Yeah. So yeah. I guess a lot of people said you came back just in time, you know, so I don't know. Will, I will always, because it would be, if I all of a sudden came out with an extreme metal record, it'd probably be pretty funny.
0: <laughs> if Bill Bottoms can make a comeback, anything can make a comeback. That's back. right.
2: <laughs> I'm buying them. I'm
0: buying them. <laughs> Back then, you'd be wanting to do Arch Enemy stuff if, if you had your way.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's a whole technique that they have. And it's interesting. I just got invited to, I, I know a bunch of extreme metal singers, are actually pretty big in Brazil. They wanted me to go to, they're having their first it's some big club they're having a heavy a metal, extreme metal vocal thing where everybody's going to get up and do the thing i'm like wow you're inviting me and they're like well jesus christ you know i you were heavy in the 80s but if it's a whole technique that they have i mean those singers are great i see those i'm actually going to go see my friends in uh, Cryptid Death this week and i mean she can sing 30 days in a row i mean it's it's an intense technique that they have and people always ask me what's your technique what i don't know i just do it i've never been trained I you know I kind of feel so uh, I don't know I just do it you know I drink a lot of water I sleep a lot and I work you know I don't know how I do it it just comes out but they're they're really they have a real in- intense technique.
0: Yeah, just speaking of technique, off the top of my head, I, there's a I don't know if you ever heard of them, but there's a female-fronted band called Battle Beast, and oh I know her. I yeah, know she her. she is definitely inspired by you. I, you can hear it as soon as they she you know, starts.
2: Everybody says that, and I think it was last year I met her, or maybe pre-COVID, and she. I mean, with all their Viking stuff, and they I mean, the sound of that band. And then I met her, and she was so adorable. And anyway, I said, so, you're the girl that sounds like me. And she goes, holy fuck, leather? And we just (laughs) talked. I don't hear it. I don't hear it. She goes. I don't either, but I'll take it. You know, everybody tells me that. She's amazing.
0: So leather, what about uh, the "We Are the Chosen" album? When, why did you uh, come back to the solo scene after Chastain?
2: 2014. Chastain got a phone call from a promoter in Brazil. God, I'm sorry, I'm stuck in the sun. about touring in Brazil. He's done touring, so he goes, "Look, I don't know anything about this guy, but he sent him to me." Leather, I'm on the phone. You know, I'm ready to go. So I hooked up with him. He started bringing me down there. A lot of singers go down to Brazil and they have the band down there. They go meet the band. So he did that for me. And I went down a couple of weekends, just did these chess dance sets. Went great. So then he he said that he wanted to move on. Actually, I was going to, anyway, a bunch of stuff fell through, but he was always in touch with me. And he got in touch with me one day and he said, hey, Rob Rock's going to, I didn't know who Rob Rock was in Pilateria. I said, okay, because he he's going to come down here and do some stuff with this band. Come on down, you can open, you can go ahead look. Cool. God, great. People came out to see him. It was such a great tour. And he used the band. We both used the same band, except this one guitar player. He had dual guitars, Vinny Tex. And I started watching this band every night. And I said to the promoter, I said, You know, I, I think th- this is my band. This is the band I've been looking for since I was freaking <laughs> 24. We just became close. We were just talking, me and this guy, Vinny, blah, 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 blah. And then we did the, um, then we did a Raven tour. Fortunately, we we're supposed to do a Grim Reaper tour and then COVID hit and now we lost Yeah, Steve.
1: Um,
0: yeah.
2: So anyway, uh, and I actually lost a, core, a tour just pre-COVID and I was just like, oh, fuck. fuck. You know, everything fell through and I was about to lose my mind. I always say, I'm gonna go jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. So anyway, Vinny stayed in touch with me and he said, Look, let's just try to write. And I said, Wow, that was really scary for me. It's like, Me, me, write write a whole record. But you know what? We had two years, right? And he we would we, this iPad that I'm talking to you on, we just wrote back and forth and we were just like, Oh, we take back control, I think it was the first song that we finished. And I was like, Holy shit, dude, we can really do this. So we just wrote everything and then, uh, you know, proceeded from there. Uh, again, I'm blessed. I know a lot of people, so I got in touch with SPD. They loved the record. Just took off.
0: Do you plan on touring for the album? Have you toured for it?
2: I have not. Um, it's interesting. Before COVID hit, we were doing. We were doing a couple songs from it. Yes, yes, yes. Matter of fact, I have meetings all day. The touring thing is very, very hard for a band in my position. You know, they're just trying to catch up. They're so backlogged from trying to catch up, and now with the you know the recession, nobody has any money. I mean, I have the whole story. of am um, writing a book, but I am. I'm talking to people everywhere. Probably not going to happen for a while. I'm going to play a big festival in Mexico in December. Right? Mm-hmm. I know that's happening. But yeah, I'm working, 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 working. Hopefully, I'll be out by the end of this year. That's all I want to do. Or, that's all I want to do. I have a joke that I don't unpack my suitcase, and I got to tell you, I still—and this is gross—I still have not un, totally unpacked my suitcase from when I was with Vinny in November shooting the video. I just threw it in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I took out what I needed, and yeah, I love to tour. I always did love to tour. I love not remembering where I am, and you know the meet and greets, and you have to get on a planet for I, I just—I love it. I love it. I love mm. it so much. And, you know, I love the challenge for my voice, because my voice is not like it used to be when I was touring all the time. So when I go out, you know, I really have to take care of myself, and it's more of a challenge for me now, you know, Mm -hmm. to sing every night. Um, So I have to work at it all over again, but I really like it.
0: Can we expect any uh, Chastain songs on tour?
2: Oh, of course. (laughs) I could not possibly. Oh, Angel of Mercy, Voice of the Cult, For Those Who Dare. And Vinny wants to do a lot more stuff, which I probably will. Let it earlier Chastain, now that all the Chastain records are being re-released, I do some stuff off Shockwaves. I mean I always have to. I mean I'm grateful to anybody. I'm only still here because of Angel of Mercy, you know? And that is a great song to sing, and I have to tell you, I used uh, Kiko Shred as last of my, my touring band. And him and Vinny, Angel of Mercy, they they would just go off. You know, we would have it all schemed out and they would just go. I would literally walk off stage. They would just do this crazy dueling guitar. It was so beautiful. So Angela Mercy is just a great jammer, and you know I'd go have a drink, brush my teeth. <laughs> yeah, it was that's great.
0: great. Well, you said you always like touring. So just thinking of all the tours you've been on, is there one that stands out as extra wild than the others? <laughs>
2: You know, and again, Justin, I have no wild tours. I, I, that is such hard work for me. It's my straightest time. I mean, I might have a beer here and there. No, and Chastain didn't party. The boys would party, but I would just, no, this is what I used to do. I would have dinner. I would, you know, do like a power nap, 20 minutes, go do a show. Then me and my lighting man would go run stairs for an hour. And then, I, no, I, I didn't party. I, I don't. I had better times like when I opened for a kiss. That was kind of a party because it was one show in the middle of nowhere. But I don't. It, the times aren't wild for me as far as good tours. I think my the Rob Rock tour was amazing. Technically, it was just a really good show for both of us vocally, in the sound, in the people. Every chest. You know, every tour I'm on is uh, no. I don't. I don't have wild tours. I don't know how to say it.
0: That's well said. I mean, that's probably a good thing. <laughs>
2: I mean, uh, Rob Rock and I used to laugh because the guys would all go out and do their thing, and we would be all wrapped up. Even before COVID, we'd be all wrapped up with our masks and our scarves and hot tees, sitting on the bus going, can we go home? I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard work. It's always been hard work for me. I mean, it it comes easy, but it's hard work. You know, it just takes one bad night for your voice to, so I have to, I work really hard.
0: So out of all the bands and projects that you've been a part of and worked on, uh, what would you consider the most challenging? Is it one you lost sleep over?
2: Oh my god probably the first one mystery of illusion i was terrified because after that i started getting better and better and better and now i don't yeah but then again no I, I was really at home with this new one i was really at home with this one again because we knew the song so well so now mystery of illusion I, I was just freaked out oh my god am i gonna remember am i gonna really yeah the, the first one i ever did but it gets easier because, you know, you realize that you belong there, you know, you have to, uh, you probably don't follow me on social media, but I released this video, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it back, maybe I'll send it to you, of uh, me in the studio, Vinny was taking it and I said something like, this is how you record metal vocals, you tell everyone to get the fuck out of your room, yeah, you have to be left alone, you can't have people telling you, how do you sing, well, you aren't, go, I'm the vocalist, I wrote it. So you really have to keep the noises out of your head, but it took me a while to do that. And Chastain, in the early days, he would just keep pressing the button again, again, <laughs> again. <laughs> I actually had a friend with me one time when we were doing For Those Who Dare, I think, or whatever record it was. And she was an engineer down here at a really big studio. Gate 5 was huge. And she would look at Chastain after a while and go, Jesus Christ, she's done it 12 times. Pick one, they're fine. I mean, like, yeah. David, David was an incredible perfectionist, and of course, back then the technology was different. But I don't do auto tuning; I don't do any of that crap. So he wanted it perfect. Vinny was the same way. Vinny wanted it perfect, and you know, voices aren't always perfect. They would be within a feather of the. You know, <laughs>
0: guitar
2: player, uh, guitar players are pain in the ass. Let me tell everybody that. Pain in the ass. Pain in the ass.
0: I'm sure all the non-guitar players will agree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just talk about vocalists oh my god
2: prima donnas but hey you know <laughs> you gotta
0: have them <laughs> well leather, this is something to put a bow on everything this is something i like to ask everybody because you never know what they're going to say have you ever had an experience you would consider supernatural or paranormal
2: oh all the time yeah, all the time. I have them when my, um, uh, when my, aunt, well, it's not perfect. I mean, when people pass, they always come to me to say goodbye. My dogs come, my father came. But something happened to me one time. Or, oh, whatever, all the time. Uh, I go to the, to the ocean a lot at night. Oh yeah, all the time. I think you have to be open to it. I think women, I don't have any, but I think because we bear children, we just have, we're on a different plane. I think we're really intuitive. I totally believe in that, believe in that stuff, yeah.
0: Do you remember the the first uh, supernatural experience you had?
2: Yeah. It was a few years ago. Um, Yeah, I don't think I had him when I was young. I don't think I was too aware. But I would say maybe 30 years ago, I had a friend that passed away. And and there was this whole thing about she came to me and it was the way it happened. I just relived it. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I tend to not get, no, 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 dude. Oh, my God, Jesse, you're making me think. No, no, no. When I moved to Berkeley, holy shit. When I moved to Berkeley, I was right across from UC Berkeley, and there was a Good Earth. I don't know if it's still there, but there's a big building, the Good Earth, and above was this boarding, this boarding hot place where my friend Patty lived, a big kind of like commune thing, but you had your own room. And I, oh, wow, and I, I had them through the years, but now they, I was sleeping, and I used to have these things that happened to me once in a while where I would hear, where I would hear... I would hear like this big boom 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 and I'd be like, oh shit, here it comes or whatever. But I couldn't you know, you have those paralyzing sleeps, so everybody has them when you can't wake up. And this thing or this weight, yeah, was on me. Holy shit, I forgot about that. And I couldn't yell, I couldn't scream, I couldn't God, I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't see anything. I just felt I felt the pressure and I felt like scratching. Oh God, yeah. And I can remember just being flipped out. But it has happened to me since then. But now I'm more aware of it, and I, you know, I can deal with it differently. And I actually, it started happening again when I used to go to somebody's house here. So I, that's when I started sleeping with the television. I obviously have the television on now. Mm-hmm. Um and I pray or whatever I do. And I can still kind of feel it. I can feel it because I'll wake up and think that I'm really, anyway, I can feel it and I bring in my angels or however crazy. It is. But wow, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Thanks, Not tonight, I'm going to be. <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, think, I think it's one of those things, I tend to, well, you know, what you believe happens. If I believe I'm going to play Bach and I'm going to play Bach. I think your mind has a lot to do with it. But wow, yeah, and I read a lot about it. That's right. And I can remember I woke up and, and I woke up because my roommate was blasting van halen and i was like thank god because then i just woke up and it was <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. My, my wife has those uh night terrors a lot too
2: yeah and yeah you can't move and, and and but i'm blessed i have lucid dreams do you ever have lucid dreams where you know you're dreaming
0: i every time i realize that i'm having a lucid dream i wake up i never uh-huh. get to have the fun
2: yeah mine are always bad though, like somebody's chasing me or like somebody's gonna you know like i'm gonna lose a job or <laughs> i i used to always be with david lee roth and i'd be like oh my god i'm dreaming this is so freaking cool and i and I, I try to i only make myself wake up if i have to but i met david Lee Roth, and i said it's me and he was like what <laughs> damn it's me said, <laughs> so when you really oh really because the love of my life my, my pit god he's been god 27 years now i used to have dreams about him and he was right there i could touch him i could smell him And I knew I was dreaming, but I would stay there as long as I could. So you go, oh, I'm dreaming, and then you wake
0: up. Mm -hmm. The one time I've had a little bit of control in a dream, it was very mundane. I'm standing in a line in a bank, and I look around, and I'm like, oh, I think I'm dreaming here. Well, I hope nothing terrible happens. And then I hear a scream outside, and then there's zombies rushing in the door. (laughs) (laughs) yeah then i woke up so I
2: was, yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the last ones i had was something like that where somebody was trying to run me down in a car or oh, no 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 i was in a car in the back seat and a semi was coming for am I'm like i'm dreaming i know i was dreaming so i just <laughs> wow justin that's cool i think we're i think we're connected yes we are right? <laughs> do you need me to send you the new record do you have it would you like a cd or a vinyl what's your choice
0: vinyl if you don't mind okay
2: Yeah, no, no, I
0: have some. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate.
2: Address, I'll send it to.
0: I will. Thank you so much. That's very kind. So leather to put a big bow on everything. What's on the horizon for you? What can you tell us about getting in trouble?
2: It's okay. It's uh, my trouble. (laughs) Uh, We're thinking about new. We're thinking about writing. I'm just trying to get on the road, dude. That's a major undertaking. Um, It takes lots of time. So send me good energy, everybody. I'm just trying to get on the road. Trying to get on the road. Working with everybody in every country that I can. Uh, I'm not going to go away this time, you know. I, like I said, I tend to be lazy and go away. I'm not doing it. This record is too good. I'm still too good. Um, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Awesome. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, stay in touch.
0: All right, folks, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Leather. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back next time.
1: Monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs>